0: And welcome to episode fifty-three of the Thinking LSAT podcast in San Francisco. I am Nathan Fox, and in Washington D.C. is Ben Olson. How are you doing, Ben? Good, thanks. I finally saw Star Wars, so we can uh, chat about that. But let me let me give a first uh, little um, preview of what we're going to talk about today. We have a question from a listener, actually a former student of mine, about slowing down on the logical reasoning. So we're going to talk about ways that you might be able to slow down. We talk about slowing down all the time, but maybe we can give you some specific ways that you can slow down. We are then going to do a question or two uh, of logical reasoning from the June 2007 test. Okay, so let's do Star Wars because we've been wanting to talk about it for a while. (laughs) Uh, This probably is going to contain some spoilers. So if you don't want to hear Star Wars spoilers, you might want to fast forward a little bit. Well, Ben, you saw it a while back yeah uh you took the boys uh yeah
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh what
0: did you guys think of it
2: so big picture it was a good movie i'm glad i saw it but i definitely had some issues with it <laughs> okay <laughs> you you're kind of like
0: me i think where there's nothing nothing is ever going to be perfect or at least like i i critique the, even the things that I really love, I just have to critique. <laughs> I have to point out the the problems. So what what were your uh, what were your issues? I can't wait. To hear. So
2: one of the issues I had, which sort of I was just thinking as I was sitting there watching it, was when they the, the when they said, "Okay, here's the problem. We have this." Sorry for the spoilers. You definitely want to fast forward this. But we have this this planet. This is now a, a gun, which is just like the death star and I'm thinking <laughs> we have the exact same problem I mean this is a galaxy far far away we could have a hundred thousand different problems and we have the exact same problem except it's bigger now that I
0: totally agree I totally agree uh, yeah it's like wait uh, well as soon as I saw that they like showed like a glimpse of it the planet size the planet with a gun inside of it and I was like wait so it's the death star. Except now it's a plant inside of a plant. What? Yeah,
2: like they tried to like kind of gloss over it. Like, oh, it's got solar power and whatever. <laughs> it's like a solar power Death Star. Uh, I mean, wow. the des- yeah. So I didn't like that. And then you know, to just to make to to pile on that, they, they made the problem worse by saying the solution was a, exactly the same. I mean, yeah, they had to send some guys in there to. Loosen things up, but it was like, we have to shoot this one spot, this weakness, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, this is so weird. So, I didn't like yeah. that. I didn't like the fact that um, this is the weapon that the, the bad guys have, and for some reason, it's not protected to the 100th degree. I mean, this this is their thing, and they have Death Stars out – or what are, what are those ships called? I, I forgot already. The, the big ones. TIE
0: Fighters? Oh, the big ones. Um, Yeah. So, like uh, – oh, man. Yeah, I'm forgetting too. Uh, Star Destroyer.
2: Okay. They have those and they don't have – The big have... triangle-shaped ones? Yeah. The big wedge ones? Yeah, the, ones. the, yeah, the, the tri- ominous Star ones destroyers. that always you know, come over the screen. and Yeah. Those things are awesome. Yeah. Um, So, I didn't well, like Well, they that. also have
0: <laughs> – they have <laughs> – don't they have – just a an enormous platoon of stormtroopers standing in formation yeah out in front like listening to some dude give a speech yeah like hitler style and what those dudes might maybe they could be guarding the weakness of their (laughs) planet-sized thing instead of listening to a speech and standing in formation that's bad strategy i don't know
2: yeah well they're the they're the dark side uh did you I mean, I have I have a couple more issues, but
0: yeah, go no, I'm happy, go go go.
2: So my the other issue that I had was, um, and maybe this is part of the whole thing, but I felt like as soon as that guy, the bad guy, Kylo Ren, took his mask off, and started talking, I was like, this guy is not scary at all.
0: No, I I agree. Well, yeah, in fact, I would even go further and say I didn't find him scary inside his mask. He was like. He was already like a just kind of a a weak version of Vader he's like a he's like Vader light,
2: yeah, I thought when he like caught the you know the gun when the like one guy shot him and he caught the
0: oh, that was cool actually, that's true in the very beginning, he froze the the laser beam right yeah, yeah with the force that was pretty sweet. I was like, oh shit, this guy's pretty pretty badass, yeah, but then he <laughs> how about when things didn't go his way? and he went on a temper tantrum inside of <laughs> the thing bashing up the equipment with his lightsaber.
2: I think that was like we got to make this guy mad but we can't have him kill anybody cuz this is a kid show or something. I don't know. I don't
0: Vader get... would have just choked somebody.
2: Yeah, it was it was weird. It was it, and when I was watching a uh, Star Wars um uh, an older one, one of the first 3 and it was a lot more there was a lot there seemed to be a lot more maturity to it. I don't know how to describe it. Like the the conversation the, the conversation between Leia and Han and stuff like that was humorous but also a little more mature. I so that that's my third issue and that is that Han and Leia's relationship just seems really bizarre to me. Like they both seem like nothing has happened in the last thirty years. Granted they had a kid who turned out to be a bad guy and stuff, but I felt like Han is still floating around the galaxy collecting junk like what then nothing's happened no one's progressed in 30 years it just to me it just seemed weird yeah i thought the story was weak i
0: mean i i watched it i watched um the force awakens and then i came home and immediately because i was just feeling i I was you know all this said i was glad that there's a new star wars movie it looked and felt like a star wars movie yeah um you know and, and it was just cool it's it's super cool that like little kids are all into star wars um My, my sister teaches kindergarten and she has had to institute a new class rule that the kids are not allowed to sing the Imperial March (laughs) in class (laughs) because the kids, the five year olds are marching around singing the Imperial March. And she's had to, she's had to say no more of that because it's just too much and it's freaking her out. Um, so it's so cool that Star Wars is back and this really was Star Wars, but right. They, it's the same story. It's the exact same story. Yeah. You start on some, there's like some dusty planet, there's some random kid, the random kid turns out to have the force inside of them. Yeah. Then in the end of the movie, you end up with a giant planet-sized thing that you have to go inside of and keep it from destroying planets. Hmm. Like, what? Really? Yeah. You know, I'll be lining up to see episode eight, though. I mean, I I can't wait to see um, the new movies. I do hope that they, like, decide to actually tell a, a new story, though. Yeah. Instead of just the exact, the exact same thing. And yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a babyfied version. I mean, is that because the ratings of movies now have gotten so intense? Like it used to be that PG 13 movies or or, sorry, there wasn't even PG 13. There was just PG, but PG movies used to be like sort of for adults.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And nowadays I think PG movies are just definitely for kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And this, yeah, this well, this one I didn't even look at the rating of this. It was was it? P, it must have been PG.
1: I
2: don't. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but it, it felt weird.
0: Yeah, I get what you mean. It's like there's like too much comedy. I thought that um, Han and Chewie were like almost purely just there for comedy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that's Star Wars. It was good. I'm, I was glad to see it. But uh... yeah, yeah. <laughs> They could do a little harder work next time and like actually write a, a story and have a new have a new thing. Cool. All right. So you ready to dive in? Sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So we are going to start with this email. This is a uh, Bonifacio, a former a classroom student of mine, and he writes, "Hey Ben and Nathan, I have a problem with slowing down on the logical reasoning section. Sometimes I'll miss six or eight on a section, and they're usually." At question number 18 plus, when I'm answering them, I feel like I'm not going fast. I set a goal of only answering 18 to 20 per section. The goal of only answering 18 to 20 per section. I, I got a little, that makes me a little queasy. Um, I average 16 to 18 correct, but I find myself answering at least 20 questions. Is there a mental checklist I should go through for each question to make sure I've fully comprehended the stimulus? I don't want to purposely slow down if I feel like I've already selected the correct answer, but I clearly need a strategy for developing a more accurate pace. Thanks for the advice. Congrats on the 50th episode. That was a while ago. The podcast is great. Regards, Bonifacio. Thanks for writing. Ben, you actually emailed him back, and you we've got some notes here. Uh, you want to go through kind of your advice
2: yeah so i gave him some a checklist uh for the questions but i i do want to interject one second here i reading this again i feel like he's he says i clearly need a strategy for developing a more accurate pace yeah and i'm I, i feel like he's a little too concerned about his pacing
0: yeah i agree when he says I set a goal of only answering eighteen to twenty per section. That's just not something that I would even be thinking about. Yeah, I would be thinking about answering the questions, and and however many I get to, that's how many I get to. Yep, I, I would be thinking about getting them right, and I, I, it's it's not about achieving your goal of reaching question number twenty or not going farther than question number twenty. That's not that's not. You're wasting brain cycles thinking about that. Mm -hmm. And instead, I think you should just be thinking about the question that's right in front of you, getting that one right Yeah, and being as close as you're going to get to right before moving on.
2: I I completely agree. And I think that because we've talked about slowing down so much, maybe that's where he's coming from. But I think he's taking it the wrong way and going too far and saying, "Okay, I'm not going to go over 20. Who cares how yeah. far you go? Just make sure that you're going as uh, fast or as slow as you need to for that particular question, and that changes from question to question. I mean, one thing that I think happens to me is that I will read an argument. I will say to myself, hmm, here's the conclusion, here's the premises. This is not a perfect argument, but it seems good enough to me. And then I might read the question, and it will say, which one?" I find most accurately describes the flaw of reasoning or something like that, and I'll say, "Whoa, I thought this argument was okay, uh or not great, but not that bad, and that will force myself to go back and look at it and I think that people don't take enough time to reevaluate arguments when they get some clue that they should either. Something is amiss, but they don't take time to sort of clarify that in their mind. Like what exactly – I feel like something is being assumed here, but I'm not stopping to just lay that out a little more clearly in my mind. Because as soon as they do in class, then they're like, well, I guess it's assuming that everyone should do this or whatever. And you say, yeah. And they're like, oh, that's why B is correct. And you're like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You could have found this, but you let – yourself just sort of go into the answer choices with a slight fog and so whenever something is amiss you don't want to just let it go but if things make sense and the question is just like well what's the main point and they make sense then just keep going there's no need to slow down and redo things
0: yeah i don't i don't manage my time one way or the other i don't i'm just not managing the time i'm i'm just what i do is i answer the questions and i get them right and Sometimes that happens quickly. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. So I would never, it sounds almost like what he's saying is, you know, he's worried that he's getting to the correct answer too quickly sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're at the correct answer, then you're at the correct answer. And that's, that's great. And now it's time to go to the next question. Yeah. If you're not at the correct answer, then you need to just stay there as long as you think you're getting closer to the correct answer.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I think you're totally right. What you just said, I had a little experience, um, last night in class where I read the stimulus and I was not pissed. And when I'm not pissed, that usually means that there's not an argument. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that it was just fact, fact, fact. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But they had hidden. There was a, as it turns out. Okay. When I got to the question stem, the question was like, which one of the following, if true, would most strongly support the conclusion above? And I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) I was anticipating that this was going to be a must-be-true question because I didn't think I saw an argument. I thought that it was just fact, fact, fact. Mm -hmm. But that's the moment where, see, that's the moment where I slow down. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's exactly what you're saying, right? Is that You've spotted that something is amiss. I, I think that the student who's going too quickly, there's going to be something wrong, but they're going to just go blunder ahead right into the answer choices mm. without figuring out what what's wrong. And someone who's better at the test, a little more disciplined maybe, is going to say, whoa, wait, there was a conclusion there? There was an argument there? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. If there's an argument there, I better go figure out what that argument was saying. Yeah. And, you know, and and think about it and and see if there's something missing because they're asking me to strengthen the argument. I didn't even see an argument.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, you can't strengthen an argument if you didn't see the argument. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't know what the conclusion is, if you don't know that they made a conclusion, you have no chance at strengthening the argument. So there is where, you know, you've got to slow down and make sure you get it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Uh, And then then, you know, and and then I would just say. As long as you're getting closer to the correct answer, you should stay there and continue getting closer to the correct answer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: At some point, though, you're going to have narrowed it down and you're not getting any closer anymore and you've reread it maybe and you're, you still feel like, well, I know it's B or D, but I just don't know. I can't, I can't. I'm not getting I'm not I'm spinning my wheels. Yeah. Well, then you pick and you move on. Um, but that's it i'm i'm never thinking about how many questions i'm attempting or what the time is or anything it's just if i've gotten to the correct answer and i know it's the right answer then I'm picking it and i'm moving on if i'm if i've narrowed it down but i can't get any closer then i'm moving on that's it
2: no i completely agree w- one thing that he did ask for was this checklist and i do feel like the checklist i gave him is one that i find myself repeating over and over and over in class. And that is uh, most of these arguments or most of these passages are arguments. And most of the questions in logical reasoning are asking us to find some problem with them as which you've mentioned a bajillion times. Yeah. And so I say to people right off the bat, okay, where's the conclusion? Cause we have to start with that. That's what we're either trying, you know, that's where the problem presents itself. And th- a lot of people in class will say, well, I found the conclusion, the conclusion's here. There are a lot of people in class who hadn't found it yet precisely, which is a real bummer because I don't know how you can evaluate an argument if you don't know for sure what the person is trying to conclude. Mm-hmm. But once they, for all the people who say, I found, the, or I found the conclusion, I say, okay, great. Well, now where's the evidence? And I would say of half of those, maybe it wasn't totally clear what, what part of the argument was the evidence? Usually it's the rest, but there can be other things in there. And then I say, okay, well, now that we've found the evidence, even for those people who have found it, what do you think of it? Like, what, what can you conclude from that evidence? And how is that different from what the person actually concluded? And that's where most people say, okay, well, let me think. What could, how far could I take this evidence legitimately? And how is that different from the conclusion? And at that point, that's when they figure out the problem and it's like it's just unfortunate that you didn't take the time to do that yourself. I'm just asking you the questions and now you're doing it. So I think that would be one thing I would add to everyone's checklist is find the conclusion, find the premises, and then figure out what those premises do prove and how that's different from what the author actually concluded. Yeah, I I almost think that's the entire That's the
0: entire checklist, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, there are, I don't think we need to go through all of this, but there are then, once you've done that, then they're going to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. And the questions go into different types. There are different types of questions. And the different types of questions definitely look for different types of answers. (laughs) Obvious example, you know, strengthen and weaken are two different things. Mm -hmm. But, like, weaken and flaw are also two different things. And the difference is subtle, maybe, but it ends up in a kind of dramatically different type of answer. Yeah. So you do have to know the, the question types, and then you, you're going to apply different strategies for the different question types. But before you even get to all that, it is very clearly, you know, if, if there's an argument there, and there usually is, you have to have the conclusion and then once you see that there's a conclusion, then you have to think about what the evidence is. And then for me, it's like I want to try to get pissed off. I, I want to try to get angry at their bad logic. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm pissed, I'm I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm pissed, I know I can answer the question.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think we've talked about this before as well, but just something that seems to be a reoccurring theme is that sometimes when I'm going through... Uh, That analysis with people in class, they'll say something like, but, but, but we had, they said this, and they'll be quoting something from the conclusion. It's like, well, no, 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 you don't have to (laughs) accept that as true. In fact, we want to just keep that totally separate from the evidence. And ignore that until we've found the evidence and figure out what we can conclude from that and the other time on other occasions I'll have people who take issue with things oh well the problem here is that this is not necessarily true and you say well and this and they're referring to a premise you say it doesn't Mm. matter it's a premise you just have to accept that all animals love carrots or whatever
0: right yeah I mean maybe that's that I do think is something that people miss is that when we analyze these logical reasoning questions we're going to it's funny because I'm I'm constantly talking about how I'm going to get pissed and I'm going to argue. But the part that I'm going to get pissed and argue about is the conclusion of the argument.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to – and because I'm going to be very civilized about the premises of the argument. You know, this isn't like talk television or presidential debates where we're going to argue about every single point. Mm-hmm. This is a very civilized form of, of discourse where we're going to accept – the premises as true I'm going to grant you you could be my worst enemy but I'm going to grant you your premises of your argument the part that I'm not going to grant you is the part that comes after clearly comes after obviously comes after therefore Mm -hmm. I'm not going to agree ever really (laughs) with your conclusion yeah I'm going to grant your premises as fact and if they 100% support your conclusion then I'll buy your conclusion yeah but if there's any gap between your premises and your conclusion, I'm going to jam a sword into that gap.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's my job is to find the chink in the armor and just jam a sword in there. Yeah. So we're, I guess that's the game that we have to teach people to play, right? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get better every day. I do think that one thing I've missed in some of my classes is I haven't emphasized enough the idea of you've got to find the conclusion of the argument. What's the conclusion of the argument? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't ever teach people to underline the conclusion of the argument, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it would be horrible to teach people that actually.
2: No, because a lot of times too, even later in the class, I'm surprised when I say, okay, what's the conclusion of everybody's, oh, it's this last sentence. And I'm thinking, it's not the last sentence. It's the last (laughs) half of that sentence.
0: Right, or? right, 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 and and by the way, it doesn't have to be the last sentence at all. No, right? yes. it can be the first Sorry. sentence. It can be the middle sentence. <laughs> I don't want to be missing. It can be the last sentence, or it can be part of any of the sentences.
1: Yeah,
0: right. It's it's you know, you ask the speaker, "Why are you wasting my time with this?" You ask the speaker, "What is your point? What is it that you're trying to prove to me here?" Mm-hmm. And then you th- and then you look at the rest of the argument and you go, "Oh, I see. Here's some irrelevant bullshit. Here are some." premises that could conceivably be used to support your conclusion Mm -hmm. here's your conclusion and now i'm going to tell you why this whole thing is bullshit because your premises just don't add up to your conclusion yeah cool all right well i think that covers it pretty well yeah you you happy with that i'm happy with that okay good all right well let's do a question uh from the june 2007 lsat by the way if you have questions uh you can tweet me directly at nfox You can tweet Ben at strategy prep. You can tweet both of us at thinking LSAT. You can email us help at thinkinglsat.com. We'd love to get questions. Uh, We, we've got a, we don't even have any backlog right now of questions, do we?
2: Nope.
0: So, you know, if you email us a question and it's, uh, reasonably (laughs) good, (laughs) I don't know what to say. (laughs) If you email us a question, the odds are very good that we will cover it on an upcoming podcast. We've been doing a pretty good job keeping our backlog down. So you could get on episode 54 and be famous uh, if you send us a question. Yeah. We are now going to turn to the June 2007 LSAT. This is a free test. Okay. So the June 2007 LSAT is freely available. Just Google June 2007 LSAT and the PDF will pop right up. You can follow along at home. Uh, we'd probably advise you, if you can, that you would pause, um, pause the podcast and do this question. We're going to do section two, number 16. Uh, you could pause the podcast. You could attempt question 16 from section two on your own, and then uh, you could listen to us talk about it. But, Anyway, Ben, you want to uh, read the argument or part of the argument? Sure. You want to take over?
2: Go ahead. So it says, Taylor, researchers, so Taylor is talking here. Researchers at a local university claim that 61% of the information transferred during a conversation is communicated through nonverbal signals. Well, dang, we're not, we're not, um, we're not in person, Nathan. This is not good.
0: <laughs> yeah, we we're having a hard time apparently communicating yeah. because we we don't have any
2: nonverbal
0: signals at all. Wow, yeah. interesting.
2: Okay, but this claim, like all such mathematically precise claims, is suspect because claims of such exactitude could never be established by science.
1: Hmm. hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. That sounds like bullshit to me.
2: Yeah, we can't do things that are exact. That's, or we can't prove things that are exact. That seems pretty ridiculous. Well, hmm.
0: I would be reading that with a lot of skepticism. Mm-hmm. the The first sentence, you know, when the researchers are claiming that sixty one percent of the information transferred is communicated through nonverbal signals, I was skeptical of that. I was skeptical of that 61% because I was like, well, if it's being transferred non-verbally, how the hell could you possibly, how could you possibly know that? You know, how, how could you figure out? Yeah. How do you know how much information is being communicated? And how, how, how do you, how would you po- I don't know. I just, it's hard to see how they would ever prove that.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: But then the next sentence when it says this claim, like all su- like all such mathematically precise claims, is suspect because claims of this exactitude could never be established by science. I I would I have to take the other side on that one too
1: mm-hmm.
0: because can't we precise? I mean, we know precisely what pi is, right? Or we could at least <laughs> go out to the millionth digit. It's Pretty precise, yeah. What what pi is? We we can. Um, we can pretty precisely measure things like we know what the acceleration due to gravity is in meters per second squared. We, we know a lot of, we know a lot of things precisely.
1: Yeah. Don't we?
2: Yeah, we do. And so this is, I mean, this kind of illustrates, I guess what we were talking about before. And that is that this is a weird premise, but if, if that's, true then maybe this claim is suspect you know like it's weird but okay like i would still have that issue in my mind because it might lead to some other related problem but that's taylor's premise right
0: yeah if that's a premise or yeah i mean if that's something that we're going to uh, if that's something that we're going to accept then i think the second taylor's second sentence does seem to justify her first Sentence. It's not exa- It's not at all what I expected her to say, though. And no. since this is one of those like speaker A, speaker B things, mm-hmm. I'm always putting myself in speaker B's shoes. And uh, like, I, w- I would have to come back with like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Can we- you can never have exact claims in all of science. Are you kidding me? That's a very broad. That's a very broad statement.
2: Yeah, which does raise another slight nuance here, and that is that although we can't take issue with the premises, other <laughs> people who are on, uh, you know. In the LSAT, making arguments can right?
0: Like, so Sandra could very well disagree with Taylor's premises. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. So what's Sandra saying? Sandra
2: say? says, while precision is unobtainable in many areas of life, it is commonplace in others. Many scientific disciplines obtain extremely precise results, which should not be doubted merely because of their position.
0: There we yeah,
2: go. So that's what she says. Not surprising. The question The statements above provide the most support for holding. The Sandra would disagree with Taylor about which one of the following statements. So I would classify this as a disagree question. The one thing that I tell my students for disagree questions every time is that uh, if you can figure out what they disagree with about before you go into the answer choices, that's great. If you uh, end up debating between two answer choices... Uh, focus your, separate your analysis and just focus on one person at a time. What does the first person think of this answer? And then what does the second person think of this answer? I think a lot Mm -hmm. of these um, answer choices can be dismissed rather easily if you just say, well, what does Taylor think? And you're like, wait a sec, Taylor never said anything about this.
0: Forget it. Right, right. We need an answer where one of the speakers would clearly say yes to it and and the other speaker w- uh, would clearly say no And actually it's not it's not really one of the speakers would say yes. it's it's one of the speakers has said yes and the other speaker has said no, right We're not because we're not trying to like it, it does say you know the statements provide the most support that they would disagree. But ideally, we would find an answer where they already have disagreed.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think in most of these questions, that's true. I do, I have thought of, there are a couple of the really hard disagree questions where in class people have argued and said, hey, this doesn't technically say that. And I say, yeah, you're right. But I think it's the the one that Sandra, whoever is most likely to agree with, given the other stuff that she did say.
0: Well, right. And that, so that, that gets into in my books and when I teach in my classes and stuff, I don't even have a separate category for most strongly supported. Mm-hmm. I just put that into the must be true category. And the reason why I do that is because if I can find an answer that must be true, then that's the answer for a must, for a most strongly supported question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I feel like the analysis is exactly the same. I'm just looking for the one that's as close as possible to has to be true, cannot possibly be false based on the given facts. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And when it had said which one of the following is most strongly supported, then yeah, the correct answer maybe doesn't necessarily have to be 100% must be true. But that's fine. I'll, I can soften my, it's easy to like lower your standards, you know, mm-hmm. but I would, I would prefer to start with higher standards and then lower my standards if I have to pick the best of a bad lot. Mm-hmm. So I think I would be kind of feeling the same way here. Ideally, I'm going to find an answer where it's just kind of obvious that Taylor has said yes and obvious that Sandra has said no, Mm -hmm. or obvious that Taylor has said no and obvious that Sandra has said yes. Mm -hmm. And on my first pass through the answer choices, that's what I'd be looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Then if, then if I can't, if I can't find something that's like a hundred percent totally proven, then alright, uh, I might go with the one where it's like, well, you know, Taylor kinda said this and Sandra kinda said that.
1: Yeah.
2: But you definitely it's in that's where where I think a lot of people get frustrated, but you say, Hey, look, this is all about the best of five, not about a good answer.
0: Right. No, it's oh, totally, right. There are plenty of examples where all five
2: of the answers suck and you're picking
0: the one that sucks the least.
2: So then it just becomes a comparison. And then sometimes I think people feel like it's arbitrary, but it's not when you really think about that answer choice, it is hands down better than the others, even if it's not good.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Cool. So answer choice A says, research might reveal that 61% of the information taken during a conversation is communicated through nonverbal signals. What do you think of this? Taylor would think that that's suspect because
0: 61% is because it's a claim of such exactitude that could never be established by science. So do you think Taylor
2: disagrees with this? I do think Taylor disagrees with that, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I guess because of the word might, I thought this is so watered down that Taylor said, well, it might, but I don't. I don't think it's likely, but it might. And so I don't
0: think so. Really? Hmm. No, I t- I mean, Taylor has specifically said that a, that claim would be suspect. So I, I, I see what you're saying, but I mean, it, it seems to me that Taylor would reject that. I, I would be pretty happy with this answer, actually. Really? OK, because yeah, because Taylor has specifically said, hey, these kinds of claims are suspect. And Sandra has said, well, wait a minute. Many scientific disciplines do obtain extremely precise results. And so the might there makes it so that Sandra can agree with it.
2: Yeah, and I guess I feel like that might makes it so that Taylor could agree with it even though she thinks it's unlikely. I, I, say, I see the word suspect as saying this is suspicious but not necessarily okay. false.
0: Well, let's see. I I I I my gut is telling me that this is is probably okay.
2: Okay. So, yeah, let's let's keep it open.
1: Well, yeah.
0: I mean, if we can eliminate B, C, D, and E, mm-hmm. but then we can pick A, right? Yeah, sure. Okay.
2: All right. So, just to be clear, I'm thinking both might agree with this and you're thinking that Sandra might agree and Taylor might disagree. I'd be happy as long as I can get rid of the other answers. Cool. Yeah. All right. B. It is possible to determine whether 61% of the information taken during a conversation is communicated through nonverbal signals. Hmm. What do you think about this? I
0: mean, it also sounds kind of okay. Taylor would, I think Taylor would say that is suspect.
1: hmm mm-hmm.
0: Taylor hates mathematically precise claims. That's a mathematically precise claim. Mm-hmm. Taylor says claims of such exactitude could never be established by science. Yeah. And and Sandra seems to think that it is possible.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: For some reason, I like B better than A. I can't figure out why. Well,
2: I, I sympathize with you on that one. I think partly because of Taylor's last comment, claims of such exactitude could never be established by science. My only... Yeah. I mean, the word possible is still pretty weak, but I I, I like B better than A. Well, I didn't really like A. What's the difference between
0: research might reveal and it is possible to determine? I guess determine means prove, whereas research might reveal could
2: be like just researchers can make that claim. Reveal versus determine? I don't... Reveal has the same strength as determine. Well, then in that case, it almost seems
0: like A and B are identical answers. Yeah. Well, if they were identical answers, then both of them are wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Let's keep going.
2: Let's keep going. It, B does seem a little bit stronger, so I had to go back to it. But anyways, C, the study of verbal and nonverbal communication is an area where one cannot expect great precision in one's research results.
0: Easy to eliminate. Sandra took no position on the study of verbal and nonverbal communication. Yeah. And if she didn't take a position, then that's not the answer
2: for sure. Yep. Okay. D. Some scientists can yield mathematically precise results that are not inherently suspect. Some
0: sciences can yield mathematically precise results that are not inherently suspect. Taylor... Oh, I see. Well, wait a minute. Yeah, so then, uh, going, I like that better. Taylor has said that all mathematically precise claims are suspect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Taylor would say clearly no to D. Yep. And Sandra has said many scientific disciplines obtain extremely precise results. There you go. Which should not be doubted merely because of their position. Uh, the answer is D. I
2: agree.
0: Yeah. And And so going back to A and B now, I think the problem is that Sandra, again, Sandra took no position on verbal, the whole nonverbal shit. She took no position on that. So even though there, even though Sandra's broader position might have implications for what she thinks about nonverbal signals, she clearly said that some sciences that do have mathematically precise results that are not inherently suspect. She just said that, you know, she said it. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't think A and B are horrible answers, uh, but I do think D is better.
2: Yeah, I, I guess I'm focusing in on the might and now the possible as things that Taylor might accept.
0: Oh, that it's. Oh, I see what you're saying. So A and B are just sort of like, well, it might. Well, it's possible. Mm-hmm. And Taylor has just said that, well, they're suspect. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah.
2: Okay. So maybe Taylor doesn't necessarily disagree with A and B. And but D, since it uses that word "suspect," it's like no, this has clearly been denied. Yeah. Okay. E, just for the sake of looking at it, if inherently suspect claims are usually false, I would stop reading it. I mean, what? (laughs) We don't need to engage in this type of bullshit.
0: You know? Yeah. This hypothetical. Right? Who? No. (laughs) That's that's it. I mean, our answer is D because. Taylor clearly says no to D, and Sandra clearly says yes to D, and that's that's yeah. just the answer. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, well, I think let's wrap up our our uh, portion now. Cool. Thanks, Ben. I'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm. Okay.